Praise God. Everyone's doing well this morning? Praise God. Are you excited about getting more acquainted with the Holy Spirit of God, that Jesus is the first order of business for him when he ascended to heaven to be seated at the Father's right hand? His very first order of business was to ask Father God to send us, New Testament believers, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask the Father to send you another helper. The word another there means another of the very same kind, not just another as it could be something similar, it could be close, it could be a lot different. No, it's another identical. So in Jesus' absence, after he was finished with his mission on earth, when he ascended to heaven, seated with the Father, he said, Father, in my place, send another one exactly like me to the body of Christ that he may dwell in them forever. And the reason being is that when Jesus' mission, when he was here on earth, he, he was restrained by taking on a human body. And so he could only be at one place at one time. He could be at Grace Church, he'd be here every Sunday, and all the other churches would be out of luck. But being he's the Holy Spirit, he can be everywhere. He indwells each and every believer throughout the planet Earth. And that's good news. And he is the one that we want to be talking about. We want to learn to engage with over the next several weeks uh, uh, so we can be, have him engaged in our lives. We are engaged with him, and he's engaged with us. We are experiencing his power. And it's just, if you can just imagine, it's just like you're going through life and Jesus is right here with you. The Holy Spirit is here with you. He does not seek to be uh, unknown. It's not his desire to be unknown. It almost appears that way because Scripture tells us that he, he doesn't speak about himself. He doesn't speak on his own. He only reveals those things that the Father reveals to him that he is to reveal to us. And he only speaks those things to us that he hears the Father say. So we're going to get to know him so we can engage with him better. And I, uh, we all have room to grow in that area. This may be new to you. You may not be familiar with uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. We as a church, Grace Church, has been a part of our belief system from the very beginning. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that his ministry is present with us today, and he is for us today. And so we believe in having that relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. My desire personally, and I, you know, my desire, of course, would be for you to have that same desire in getting to know him. There's an interesting uh, story in the book of Acts. It's not part of my notes today. I'll just put it in there for free today because I'm feeling really good. But uh, in the book of Acts, you know, the first century church, they had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost. And when you read through the next several chapters, the churches started growing. I mean, 3,000 were added. Then you read later, 5,000 more have added. And then you have the uh, Peter's encounter. He has the vision from heaven. And as a result of that vision of the sheet coming down from heaven, and what it really was was God opening his eyes and encounter with God. Say, listen, this, this salvation experience, this being filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and the evidence of miracles taking place, it's not just for Jewish people, but I want this to go on out to the Gentile world itself. 
And as a result of that, God opened up the door and the gospel was being presented to the Gentile nations as well. And so all of a sudden, the Jewish people had all this influx of Gentile people being born again and the religious people started being concerned. And we still have that challenge today. When the church starts, when God starts doing a thing in a region and, and, and new believers come in, sometimes the, the older, the people that are settled in, they kind of like, well, uh, it's good, but it's not good. They're not like us. They're a little bit out there. And, you know, we, this is the way we always do things. We're not, and we don't want things to get too mixed up. Well, in this situation, they were having a, this was a more of a religious mindset was being attacked, and that the, the religious people were thinking, well, no, you need to be circumcised. You need to adhere to the laws of Moses in order to be a, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So they're having this really hard time believing that Gentiles can be a part of God's covenant without being circumcised and adhering to the laws of Moses. So they called together, it's known as the Jerusalem Council. And out of that Jerusalem Council came the Jerusalem Decree. And out of that, when they reported back to the other churches, reported back to the people, they made this statement. I forget which verse it is, but it's in Acts 15. And they said this to the people. They said, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we don't put any other burdens on the people, just the grace of God is sufficient. I'm paraphrasing it. But the way that the terminology is, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, they were at a crisis point. They were seeking direction. They were looking for God's wisdom to impart to the people and to be able to say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And that can be personal. When we're in the crossroads of decision-making in life, which is every day, every moment of every day, that we can be in such a, a, an engagement with the Holy Spirit that we can also say, you know what? It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to me. That's the type of engagement we're talking about. An intimate relationship with God. The Apostle Paul's prayer in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, as he's closing out his second letter to the church at Corinth, sums it up this way. He said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Right there we have the Trinity. We have the grace of God, which is where our salvation experience begins. We're saved by grace through faith. And then we have the love of God being deposited into our heart. We're to continue to grow in the love of God. And then the communion, and the Greek word there can also be translated as koinonia, something that's, I think that's pronounced somewhat close. But uh, it also can be translated as partnership or fellowship. And many of your Bible translations use the word fellowship. So it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you have the love of God and the fellowship partnership or the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. There's many uh, scriptures in the gospels concerning the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He doesn't seek to be mysterious. He, uh, he is to be made known, although he's, we, we read about him. Mostly, a lot of it is about what Jesus revealed to us about him. But I just find it interesting that uh, when, when Paul refers to, uh, in this prayer, the grace of God, 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the partnership. I'd like to use the word partnership for a moment because in Luke chapter 5, there's a story that you may be familiar with. It's when uh, Peter had fished all night and he didn't catch any fish. And then Jesus uh, borrowed his boat and he shared the gospel from his boat. When he had shared the gospel, he told Peter, he said, now launch out into the deep for a great catch of fish. Peter did that. They launched back out for a great catch of fish, and they caught so many fish that their boat began to sink, and Peter called out for his partners. Everyone say partners. He called for his partners to assist in the boat sinking load of fish, in the abundance that God revealed to him, the abundance that God supplied to him. He needed some help, and he called for his partners And his partners came, and they loaded the partners' boats, and they began to sink. So it was a boat-sinking harvest. But the partnership. Now think about this just for a moment. Say, yeah, that's pretty cool. Peter called for his partner, and their boats were filled also. But listen, just pause for a second. Everyone just take 30 seconds and just... Here we go. All right, are you ready? Peter already was engaged with those people that he called on, known as his partners. He already had an engagement with them. He already had a relationship with them. He didn't get into this boat sinking load of abundance and then say, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Oh shoot, I should have some friends. Who can I call? Who can I call? Let me think. And by this time, the boat sinks. It's gone. He got such a blessing he couldn't handle it all, and he lost it. So he already had a partnership. He already had an engagement. And I want to challenge us today, myself included, I'm challenging me to develop this partnership with the Holy Spirit, this engagement with the Holy Spirit, and with our, on a horizontal level, with one another. We need to have partners. We need to have people that we can call upon to assist us. Now, most often when we talk about being able to call on someone to assist, we think of, I'm in trouble and I need help. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is here and also our relationship with one another needs to be such as that when I have such an abundance that God's pouring out on my life, I need help stewarding it. It's not always just for when you're in desperation. Someone say, amen, pastor, keep preaching. So engaged, engaged, it means to become involved. Be involved with the Holy Spirit. Learn to have the Holy Spirit to be involved with you and with us corporately. With corporately. So the assignment that God has given us, your purpose in life and your assignment that God has given you is designed with the partnership and the power of the Holy Spirit in mind. Your gifts and your talents and your assignment When God gave that to you, when you were formed and you were fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord God, he had the power of the Holy Spirit in mind to equip you and to partner with you and to engage with you in carrying out the will of God in your life. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was hanging out with his disciples, they were assembled together. It's beginning at verse 4, Acts 1 and verse 4. 
says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for truly, for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. But notice how Jesus introduced this in verse 4. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. That's a, I'm, I'm ascending, but you, 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 you stay together. You wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave home without it without me. And he said, but what are they to wait for? They are to wait for the promise of the Father. So the Father had a promise. And Jesus said, wait, wait. And that he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you're going to receive a power that's going to enable you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. And so it's, it's, if they needed to wait and Jesus told them to wait for the Father's promise, and we say the Father's promise. So the, it's God's desire for you to wait and to receive the Holy Spirit of God. And so it's, it's, the, it's the promise of the Father. In John chapter 14, we're going to look at uh, several verses in, in the Gospel of John. But in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17... Jesus said, I will pray the Father. How many people have enough courage to believe and to admit that when that, that you can honestly say, I believe that when Jesus prays, his prayers are answered. Do you have any problem believing that? I have no problem believing that whatsoever. So Jesus is saying, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, another of the very same kind another of the very same kind, and he may abide with you forever, forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, this next phrase here is just incredible, astounding, but you know him. <laughs> you know him. You know him. This is a... Just a little side note here, but uh, my father, in his latter years, when I stopped by to say hello to him and visit him, especially after mom had passed away, uh, he'd be rocking on his rocking chair, and he says, do you remember, and then he'd come up with some name, you know, do you remember Leroy Martin or whatever, just he'd take him up with a name, and, and I would say, no, I don't remember him. And he looked at me and he said, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd go, for several minutes, he'd try to prove to me that I know this person, that he's thinking about or wants to tell me something about this person. <laughs> and then the next time I stopped by, do you know so-and-so? No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> and he'd go through that whole spiel of uh, why I know this person. And, of course, me being the wise son that I am, I finally, you know, I'd stop in to see him. Do you know so-and-so? And I'd say, yes, what about him? <laughs> <laughs> then he'd tell me what he wanted to tell me about the person. And, uh, and so I don't know if that was being mean to him or not, but 
or if he ever knew that I did that to him or not. But anyway, he probably just thought I finally matured and I know all his friends. But, <laughs> but I, my, my concern is, is that we do that with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you know him. We said, yeah, yeah, we know him. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we know him. What about him? But we really don't know him. We really don't want to, you know, we want to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know who you're talking about. I didn't know who my dad was talking about. I really didn't. He thought I did. But I don't want to take that risk. And we at the church here, uh, Pastor Vernon and I, we don't want to take the risk of just assuming you know the Holy Spirit. And you know how to be engaged with him, that you know his desire to be engaged with, with you and with us. And, and to be corporately leading, guiding, and directing our, our lives and, and, and collectively as the ministry. But Jesus made this bold statement. He said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and will be in you. He dwells in you and will be in you. Jesus prayed for the Holy Spirit. He asked the father when he ascended into heaven, don't leave them here as orphans. Give them direction. Give them another of the very same kind. Give them someone just like myself to abide in them. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He is the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, and he has a purpose, he has a mission, and he has a personality. And we are going to get to know him because Jesus said we know him, so let's get to know him to the best of our ability. And I think the best way to get to know him is to find out exactly what all did Jesus say about him. So in the next chapter, chapter 15 and verse 26, Jesus made this statement, but when the helper comes, again, talking about the helper, some translations also use the word comforter, helper, comforter, comes whom I will send to you from the Father, I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth. And we say truth. So you can trust the help and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. He will not be deceptive. He's not deceiving you. And so you can completely trust him. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So there we have a little bit about his nature and his purpose in that verse. He is truth, and he will testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's desire is to dwell in us, to dwell in me, to dwell in you, and to dwell in us corporately. And his desire is, is, to be, is that I be a testimony and that you be a testimony to your family, to your loved ones, to your communities, to your classrooms, your classmates, to your workmates. That we be a testimony. He desires to testify of Jesus. He wants to talk about Jesus. He wants our lives to represent Jesus Christ. God's desire is, is, that, uh, is that Emmanuel, God with us, is fulfilled through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a nice Christmas verse. It's Emmanuel, God with us. He's within us. And the Holy Spirit wants to testify about Jesus. He's truth. So the truth the Spirit of Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit abides within us, abides within us. And so we want to be completely open and receptive to the, to the work of the Holy Spirit, that which he desires to do in and through us. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad we're not in this alone? 
the Holy Spirit in you wanting to testify, wanting to testify. So please let him do what he is desiring to do. People that know the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you know him. People that know the Holy Spirit and know his nature should be, according to scripture, some of the wisest, most understanding and skilled in various vocations people on the planet. You say, Pastor Ray, where do you get that at? Well, the first expression I see of is found all the way in the book of Exodus. In Exodus uh, chapter 31, we have the story where, I'll just read it to you a couple of verses in Exodus chapter 31. Beginning at verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Baziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Verse 4 says, To design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels, for settings in carving wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. Verse 6, and I, in, and I indeed, I have appointed with him. You figure out those next couple names. Let's go to the rest of the, the end of it. And I have put wisdom in those people's names. I have put wisdom in, the, in their hearts. Put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. That's the first expression in Scripture of the Spirit of God within. And I believe it's a, it, it, we believe that it can be applicable today to the New Testament church, to the Holy Spirit within us. And his expressions in, in testifying about Jesus is, is in wisdom and understanding, being skilled in various vocations. Now, the New Testament Scripture that's similar to that is found in Ephesians chapter 5. And this is where I really believe is, uh, is some of the primary expressions of the Holy Spirit and people that are filled with the Spirit of God. And oftentimes these verses aren't associated with the, the, the idea of the indwelling Spirit, but let's read uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's begin at verse uh, 17. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I can't tell you how many times when I'm in that place of pondering, looking, trying to make a decision, trying to, you know, what, would, what should be the next step? What's the direction? What would God say? You know, do I choose A or B or red cup or blue cup or, you know, just Holy Spirit, you know, stop being silent. You know, speak to me. Speak to me to make your way known to me. Uh, I, I want to know. I don't want to be unwise, but that's, it's, it's more frequent than I even want to admit to you. But it says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. But contrary to drunkenness, uh, be filled with 
the Spirit. And we say, filled with the Spirit. Now, in the manifestation, the nature and the characteristic of being filled with the Spirit is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for, the, for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Y'all miss a very good place to shout, Amen, Pastor. Let's submit to one another. <laughs> so Holy Spirit... The nature of the Holy Spirit, we can see it here in the characteristics, expressions, wisdom, understanding, skilled in various vocations, whatever your gifts and callings are, you're skilled, you are, you are the best in, in the field. Then Ephesians 5, you are to be wise, loving, worshipful, submissive. Now that's strike two. For your opportunity to say, amen, pastor, we're going to really be submissive. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, people of God. And here's why I want to just, here's why I'm just hovering here just for a little bit. Let the Spirit of God just hover and just let this uh, marinate into, into, into your spirit. The expressions of the idea of uh, wisdom. I'm a wise person. Understanding. I have understanding. I'm skilled in my vocation. The areas that God has called me into, I have skills in those areas. I remember when I was being trained as an electrician. Uh, sometimes when you're an electrician and you're doing electrical work, you know, it, it also involves some carpentry work. Sometimes you have to cut some things and... and uh, you know, to make room for doing whatever you're doing. You have to fit some, uh, some spacers. We used to call them spacers. And I remember my, my uh, journeyman that was training me, I, I had to, to, to cut a two-by-four, and I'd, I didn't cut it straight. And uh, it frustrated him. And I, being a young person at the time, I said, well, I'm not a carpenter. I'm an electrician. <laughs> And he made it very clear to me that being an electrician requires you to also have some carpentry skills. And so you need to be skilled in, in, in all these various things. So I just always remember that when you know, one talks about being skilled in, in, in the various things that we need to be skilled in. So don't, don't make excuses. Be the best that you can be in the field that God has called you into and learn to be the absolute best and be submissive and do what you need to be doing. But as you're allowing this to just marinate over your heart and over your mind and attitude and say, wow, how can I have the Holy Spirit wisdom manifest it to a, a, with more clarity? How can I have a, an understanding so I can, uh, I, I'm quick to understand what's going on in my environment around me. I, I, I don't have a need to be judgmental or to be condemning towards people. I, I have an understanding of a of the reasons behind it. And that's not to make me be able to be judgmental, but to, to be merciful. And I have a skill. I'm skilled in the things that God has called me to. I can, I can learn and I can, I can be skilled in the, in the things that God has called me to. And I am 
according to Ephesians 5, I am wise, I am loving, I am a worshipful person, and I am submissive. And I'm hanging here because one of my greatest beefs and one of my greatest resistance to the idea of the, the, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit in my life, in, in my young Christian walk, I, I had been saved, but I haven't had the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be honest with you, my resistance to the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is knowing people that were filled with the Holy Spirit that were really weird. And I didn't want to be like them. I did not want to be like them, and I was doing everything within my power to resist it. The same person that told me it's important that I learn how to cut a two-by-four straight was the same person that had the influence on me about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I was resisting. I would resist and resist and resist. I just, you know, just, I, I, I know this person, and they are really weird. They're kind of a misfit in society, and, and uh, they go to that church, and they do some really weird things in that church. And, you know, they, and, uh, and the ladies in that church, they pulled their hair back so tight that they couldn't even close their eyes. You know, it was just like, it was like, you know, just pull it back and tie it as tight as you could, and just like, and they never looked like they were happy, but yet they wanted me to have what they had. And I thought, nah. no, thank you. I'm good. I have Jesus. When I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm cool with that. <laughs> and then one day, I guess it was the Holy Spirit finally got through to me. I guess you could question whether this was the Holy Spirit or not, but... <laughs> I had the revelation that these people that I'm looking at and judging were weird before they had the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they were just strange people. They were odd. And, uh, you know, and then they got into the, they got they had the Pentecostal experience, and they just, to me, they just became really weird. And I thought, okay, they were weird before they had the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't the Holy Spirit that makes, it's not the Holy Spirit that makes people weird. It's people that have some issues that get filled with the Holy Spirit and they don't know how to allow the Holy Spirit to work through them to testify of Jesus Christ. Now there will be some moments and occasions, the day of Pentecost, there was great resistance to all those people speaking in tongues. They mocked it. They said, well, they're just drunk. They resisted it. They fought it. And then eventually they accepted it. And Peter preached a message and thousands of people got saved. But there was, there was pushback. There was resistance. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about my personal conviction. My personal concern was that I don't want to be, I don't want to be weird. So I'm of the persuasion that we can, as being spirit born again, Holy Ghost, spirit-filled believers, engage with the work of the Holy Spirit. We are to be wise, understanding, skilled in our vocations. We are to be wise, loving, worshipful, and in submission to one another. We should be the most loving, wisest, most skilled people in our communities. And all the people said... Amen. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It ties in with Galatians chapter 5. All the wonderful fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, they are all wonderful and they are powerful and they can be exercised to, the, to, to just absolutely testify of Jesus Christ. Back to the gospel, John. Uh, this time let's go to John chapter 16. 
And we'll look at uh, several verses in there where Jesus is really just clarifying the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how he wants to manifest himself in you and through you. John chapter 16, let's begin reading at verse 5. Jesus is saying, but now I go away to him who, now I go away to him who sent me, talking about his ascension, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Next verse. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I would say truth. truth. It is to your advantage. Say advantage. Yes. Now, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, I am here. I was sent by God on mission. But I have taken on the form of a, of a human body. Therefore, I am constrained to the, to the reality of being in a physical body. I can only be here. And then I can be there. But I can't be everywhere at once. But I'm going to leave now, and when I go back to heaven, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Spirit. He can be dwelling in all of us, all across the globe. He sent the Holy Spirit called the Day of Pentecost, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. He sent another helper, and it's to your advantage. It's better for you. It's better for us today to be living in the day that we are living in with the Holy Spirit than it was for the people before the Day of Pentecost when Jesus can only be at one place at one time. Better than the people in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit. Spirit would ascend on people. They would do marvelous things. They would prophesy. The gifts of the Spirit would be manifested. All the gifts of the Spirit are manifested in the Old Testament except speaking in tongues. In the New Testament, all the gifts are still to be in operation, including tongues and interpretation of tongues. But they would come under the Old Covenant. It would come on people, but then he would leave again. Under the New Covenant, the Spirit comes to dwell within us, and he will never leave us. He will not leave us as orphans. He comes to us to abide within us, and that is good news to us today. So um, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come. Again, helper, comforter. Again, he can help you in a crisis, but he can also help you in times of abundance. He can, he's, he's, he's for you. The helper won't come. If, if, uh, I will send him to you. And then verse 8 says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. This is some of his ministry. To convict us. The Holy Spirit that convicted you when you heard the gospel proclaimed. It was the, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he was testifying about Jesus through another person to you. And you felt a Holy Spirit conviction that, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, that's right. I, I, I am guilty. Yes, that's right. I do need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So he convicts the world of, of uh, the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And basically the Holy Spirit is convicting and saying, listen, the ruler of this world, God, Satan, small g, the God of this world has been judged and Jesus Christ took care of him at Calvary's cross. And now you have the ability to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you can be free. You can be free. So you could use also, um, uh, yes, he is the one who convicts us of sin, but he also is the one that convinces us and we say convince he also has a ministry of convincing. We see that throughout the scriptures. We, see, we, we saw that in some of the verses we already read. The Holy Spirit is convincing, testifying about Jesus. He's convincing you of righteousness. 
Say, what do you mean by convincing me of righteousness? There's way too many of us as Christians that are not persuaded that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's way too much guilt and condemnation. Jesus said the scriptures teaches us that there's no guilt and there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. The Holy Spirit wants you to be convinced of that 100%. And he will keep talking to you and he will keep reminding you there's no guilt, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Your religious brain will go, yeah, but what about that thought I had? Yeah, but what about that? And what about this? The Holy Spirit said, yeah, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. And he'll remind you. If you need to repent, he'll tell you. He will remind you, and you repent. You say, Father, I I repent from that thought. I repent from being judgmental. Thank you, Lord God, for convincing me and reminding me that I am the righteousness of God. And it's not in me to be judgmental and to be critical and and et cetera, et cetera. The Holy Spirit convicting and convincing. That's who he is. That's what he does. Embrace him. He's for you, and he wants to work in you and, and represent Jesus to your loved ones to your community, to your spheres of influence. That's his desire. That's why he's working in and through you. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, there he is again, truth. And we say truth. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Tell you or show you. The Holy Spirit, another aspect of his ministry and his personality, his desire, his purpose is to show you, reveal you, things to you that are to come. He can warn you of danger up ahead. The prudent cease danger up ahead and they change course and make provision for it. And then the, the foolish that tells us in Proverbs, they just keep going. But it's not that the Holy Spirit didn't try to prompt us. And so we want to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit and have him show us things that are yet to come, reveal things to us that we, we can have a heads up. We, we know what is coming. And, and then uh, verse 14 said that uh, he will glorify he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take a mine and declare it to you. That is a quick introduction of the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead that we are to be engaged with because he, whether you are desiring an engagement with him or not, he is madly and passionately desiring to be engaged in your life, to lead you, to guide you, to show you things that are yet to come, to bring to your remembrance things that you need to remember. We don't need to go it alone. Peter fished all night and didn't have any success whatsoever. When Jesus got in the boat with him, he had such success that he needed even more help. He needed the Holy Spirit. He needed partners. Jesus wants to lead you and to guide you into such a productive Christian life that you need helpers to help you. You need the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, to assist you, to strengthen you, to undergird you, to lift you up, to bring to your remembrance things that you need to remember, that you want to remember. 
He's for you. He's not against you. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's not some weird, flaky, spiritual thing that's out there. Look beyond. Look beyond carnal human nature when it comes to expressions of the Holy Spirit. You'll know. You'll have discernment. You'll know if, if something is of the Holy Spirit, even though it might be out of character from what you've been acclimated to or accustomed to, but you'll just have a knowing because he's the spirit of truth. And Be open and let the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you, and direct you. Can you all say amen to that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed for a few moments, just uh, again, just allow what you heard this morning concerning the Holy Spirit in your life. Just, just let it marinate and just say, wow, where can, where can I have a more engagement? And just open myself up, surrender myself to uh, the working of God and have the Holy Spirit represent Jesus in my life. The starting place in, in Acts 2 and 38, Peter told the people that as they repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so this is a twofold question that I'm putting before you as the Holy Spirit is desiring to represent Jesus to you. That while eyes are closed and you have your own personal space here, if you never entered into a relationship with Jesus, you've never received him as your personal Lord and Savior, and you say, I'm, I'm ready to start that journey right now. Or if you're saying, I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I've always been resistant. I've always been resistant to the idea of being filled with the Spirit and, and, and being labeled as one of those Spirit-filled people. Well, being labeled as one of those spirit-filled people according to scripture is an honor. It's not something to be ashamed of. And so let's open ourselves up in any of those two items. Yeah, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus or I have a relationship with Jesus, but I, I want to dive into a deeper relationship engagement with, with the Holy Spirit. Would you just slip up your hand? We want to pray for you this morning. Just put up your hand wherever you may be seated. Say, I'm going to receive. Thank you. I see that. Any others? Yeah, I'm going to receive Jesus, and I'm going to engage. I see that hand in the back as well. Any others? Thank you, Jesus. See that. You can put your hands down. Amen. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for our sins and to restore our relationship with you. Jesus, I thank you for your finished work at Calvary's cross for all that you've done for me and for sending me your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I acknowledge you. Fill me completely as I surrender to your will and to your ways. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.